Blog Talk Radio.
security, fossil fuels, the food supply, and more. After all, only delusional thinking would allow continued real estate development in a city with no future water supply, yet it continues to this very day in Las Vegas. Barnett predicts the city's water supply will collapse when Lake Mead runs bone dry in less than 20 years. Rob Moraka, a Las Vegas-based scientist at the Center for Biological Diversity, agrees with his <coughs> assessment, saying, the drought is like a slow-spreading cancer across the desert. It's not like a tornado or a tsunami. The effects are being played out over decades, and as the water situation becomes more dire, we're going to start having to talk about the removal of people from Las Vegas. Morocco, like anyone who applies rational thinking to the problems facing America today, will, of course, be aggressively ridiculed and condemned by the delusional weavers. The greatest sin to commit in society steeped in delusional thinking is to tell the truth about what's coming up ahead. That's not something people want to hear, especially when the fountains at the Bellagio are so pretty. Las Vegas currently uses 219 gallons of water per person per day, one of the highest figures in the nation. That this is taking place in a desert is extreme stupidity, and it proves the point of this article. Humanity is short-sighted and living in delusional fantasy. Attempts to resolve this water shortage problem are themselves steeped in stupidity and desperation. Vegas is trying to build a desperate water pipeline by spending over $15 billion to pipe in billions of gallons of water from another water source 260 miles away. But the project has been halted by the courts due to environmental concerns. Even if the pipeline were built, it only delays the inevitable. Building a city in the desert and importing the water supply simply isn't sustainable because there's just not enough rainwater to go around. Truth be told, much of the western USA is in the same dire situation as Las Vegas. Cities like Los Angeles were founded in the desert and then artificially supplied with salt water that's literally pumped out of the mountains. If these pumps are halted for any reason, Las Vegas immediately reverts to a desert and the city becomes a dust trap for its millions of residents who rapidly discover they are living in a desert. Even when the water is pumping, the entire state of California, yes, 100%, has already been classified as being in a state of severe drought. Imagine what this looks like without the imported water. Phoenix is also a city that's too large for its water supply. Nearby Tucson suffers much the same problem. Nevada, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah are all wildly unsustainable in terms of water supplies. They all depend in part on the Colorado River, but the river is also headed for imminent collapse. To fully grasp, this is what this says, the seriousness of the situation, you might find it useful to scan this rainfall map of the United States. Now, let's see, rainfall map of the United States. We're in green because we're in Connecticut, and what does that tell us? Inch, a legend is an in inches, 40 to 50 inches of rain in some parts in dark green are 50 to 60 inches of rain. Let's look out here in California and Nevada, Arizona. Oh my goodness. New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona where your mother is out there. Less than less than 5 to 10 inches of rainfall in a year. And California has faces uh, five to ten inches in a year, but it also has places where it's 30 to 35 inches and 15 to 20 inches. Oh, my goodness. See, the Midwest doesn't seem to be doing much better either. They only get 15 to 20 inches.
scary. Every large city in orange or red portion of this map is headed for collapse. This covers the majority of the western half of the nation. Refuge areas will be those with plentiful rainfall, such as the Pacific Northwest and regions of far east of the Rockies. That is why so many people are already headed to central Texas, by the way. If you look at Texas, you'll notice it clearly divides in terms of rainfall. Austin is roughly the dividing line. Everything west of Austin is bone dry, with little or no topsoil. East of Austin, you start to get precipitation. Interesting. Uh, so you want, you want some real news? Well, that's news. <laughs> I mean, that's serious news when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of bad things. You know, interesting quote here. From 1969 to 2005, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of corporations 50% of the time. Since 2011, the court has sided with corporations 88% of the time. Can you imagine that? I can imagine that. Because the bitches have been in office. Well, and they declare a corporation, they have all the rights of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's pretty hard. But anyway, I was going to play this. What, what are you going to play? Uh, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, oh, yeah, do that. I'm trying to find it. I just had it up here. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, it's really sad, folks. It's really sad, 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 sad. Justice Ginsburg's passionate 35-page dissent of Hobby Lobby decision. It says, on Monday, oops, yeah, on Monday, the Supreme Court sided with Hobby Lobby on the, I mean, just the name of it makes it crazy, Hobby Lobby, on the company's challenge to the Affordable Health Care's contraceptive mandate, ruling that the mandate be applied to closely held businesses, violate the 1993 Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Um, but the divided court's 5-4 decision included a dramatic dissent for from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who called the majority opinion a decision of startling breath, and Ginsburg read a portion of her decision from the bench on Monday. And I have that. Uh, I was going to read that, but let, let's continue. Addressing the ma majority of her colleagues, including all but one of the six men sitting on the Supreme Court, Ginsburg wrote, in the court's view, uh, FR, RFRA demands an accommodation of of for-profit corporations' religious beliefs, no matter the impact that accommodation may have on third parties who do not share the corporation's owner's religious faith. In these cases, thousands of women employed by Hobby Lobby and Knestoga or of dependents of persons those corporations employ, persuaded that Congress enacted RFRA to serve a far less radical purpose and mindful of the havoc the court judgment can introduce, I dissent. <clears throat> says the uh, judge, this goes on to criticize the opinions, interpretations of the religious freedom law, writing that until today, religious exemption has never been extended to any entity operating in the commercial profit-making world. That's true. Do we have an audio that we can play? Yeah, I do. But I, well, I, she'll, I, she'll probably explain her decision. Well, she does, but it's only a portion of it. So mm -hmm. let, let's talk. All right. I think it's extremely important to hear this. So here it is. Come out for you. Ruth After this Bader insane Ginsburg. advertisement, which I apologize for. All right. Oh, God, I hate I hate, I hate, I hate advertisements. Stupid advertisement. You can't skip. The justice goes on to criticize. Are you play this? I can't until the damn advertisement's over with. And I'm not playing this long, slow, moving, crazy ad. It won't move. Look at this thing. You know, you can't even get it to work.
And speaking of the South Stream countries, there is increasing speculation that the main reason why none other than the poor EU member country, Bulgaria, just suffered its worst bank run in 17 years and one which has paved the way to early elections is precisely that, to provide Europe with a government which will be more focused on Brussels' interests instead of the current socialist regime, whose, allies, whose allegiance to the Kremlin is said to take precedence. After all, now that the Ukraine is yesterday's news, pays close attention to how Europe treats all the South Stream countries, starting with Bulgaria, going through Serbia, Hungary, and of course, Austria. Finally, and perhaps most notably, is last week's announcement that Gazprom CEO Miller has a good chance and is mainly interested in discussing buying a stake in the Baumgarten gas hub. Austria is suddenly so important to both Russia and Europe. As Bloomberg reported previously, citing Miller, the talks we had about South Stream also were catalysts for the, for the continuation of our talks about participating in the gas hub. Well, let's see. Let me jump to this last paragraph. In other words, as Europe and the U.S. remain still focused on Ukraine, the one place which now matters most for Europe's energy future is Austria, a country where Gazprom and Putin, of course, are quietly sowing the siege of Russia's energy dominance tomorrow. As for the feeder countries, especially Bulgaria, pay close attention as the U.S. Foreign Service does all it can to destabilize the local government and financial system as a last-ditch effort to wrest Russia's trump card out of its hands. Something tells us Putin will hardly let it go easily. So, how about that? Well, here's something interesting. Uh, it says that the security detail for Fed chairwoman irks neighbors. That is kind of funny. Um, turns out that the uh, chairwoman of the uh, Federal Reserve doesn't. Uh, her neighbors are getting kind of, kind of, kind of strange, and uh, wishing her the hell out of there. Residents in gated communities say commotion surrounding yelling is disrupting the neighborhood. Uh, Washington and the Georgetown gated community of Hellendale, residents live in secluded calm, governed by some 50 pages of rules banning fences, motorcycles, certain paint colors, tree species, and excessive dogs and cats. No more than two per household. Yeah, that's pretty strict. Huh? Uh-huh. I like this. I like this neighborhood. People come to live in Hillsdale, Hillendale because of the quality of our residential community. And that is something that we need to maintain, says resident Sally Foreman. But one of the most powerful economic policymakers in the world moved in and, in the words of some here, ruined the neighborhood. As neighbors tell it, earlier this year, the security detail protecting new Federal Reserve Chairwoman uh, Janet Yellen uh, barreled through the cul-de-sac where she lives in oversized vans loaded with guns, cameras, and takeout pizza. It established an armed camp next door to Ms. Foreman's townhome, uh, according to a written bill of grievances presented by concerned neighbors, deeming the uninformed police presence uh, un, uninformed, un, un, oh, I'm sorry, uniformed <laughs> police presence, uh, uncomfortable for residents of various religious persuasions, such as the Quakers. I didn't know they were... They were against uniforms. And guns. Yeah, you want to read that? No, go ahead. Neighbors seem... Security trucks that continued weighed uh, approximately 700... weighed uh, approximately 22 minutes daily at each Yellen morning pickup. When Miss Yellen leaves her home, a second truck then speedily pulls out of the security driveway, all all the while spilling fluid onto the street. (laughs) <laughs> which was now left a permanent stain. <coughs> Hillendale's bylaws expressly prohibit car fluid spills in the common areas. Huh. 
Well, they were seen especially put out by the uh, aesthetics of the security detail, in particular, in particular their blue uniforms and in the worst of the one resident's donut bellies. It was basically laugh. Isn't so? I mean, I can understand that, that the problem, but these people are the most anal retentive community I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they got they got it shoved up so far up their butts. It's unbelievable. I ne- I never heard of her such a thing. I mean, something well, she chose it. No, no, I, I know. So you can tell her what, what kind of an anal retentive babe that one is. But uh, all of her neighbors. So now they're finding that she's not as anal as anybody. Or maybe she's more anal than everybody. And they don't like it. Well, the government is paying 5000 to $6,000 a month or more to rent a whole townhouse in Georgetown to put cops in, says International Attorney William Sean, who lives down the street from the uh, newcomers. Is this really necessary? He wonders to protect an unarmed economist from Brooklyn and the federal... Uh, an unarmed economist from Brooklyn. Okay. All right. And the Federal Reserve says Ms. Yellen received the same level of security as her predecessors and did respond to questions about the details cost or eating habits. <laughs> Ms. Yellen and her spouse have lived for a couple of years in a small developing neighborhood development uh, surrounded by rolling forests. Hillsdale is built on an oil heiress's former estate, uh, features 200-year-old oaks and amid houses and dense boroughs of townhomes. And the Fed chairwoman is a friendly member of the community, says neighbors, as is former Bureau, Fed Bureau of Investigation Director Robert Mueller, a Hillsdale resident who has been a guest at neighborhood block parties. Huh. Well, I'm getting speechless, but my stuff isn't coming up, and I'm really getting upset by this. Huh. I don't understand why. Pentagon pain. F-35 stealth fighter jet, one of the uh, worst planes ever designed. Mm. We, can play, you, baby. we can play this, the audio piece of it. Buffering, folks. <laughs> the world's most expensive weapon. The $400 billion F-35, an aircraft whose price tag just went even higher thanks to additional funding. Plagued by delays, massive cost overruns, and bloating red tape, the jet oh, left no, even its top backers somewhat underwhelmed. And to cover the price, the plane's now being touted to foreign buyers. RT's Marina Portnaya has more. The F-35 stealth fighter jet is the creme de la creme of military planes and the Pentagon's most expensive conventional weapons program. It's a game changer. The F-35 fighter jet is manufactured by Lockheed Martin, combining state-of-the-art technology with highly advanced avionics and maneuverability. The Pentagon plans to buy nearly 2,500 F-35s, but delays and cost increases have left U.S. lawmakers frustrated over the $385 billion price tag. And that's where America's allies come in. Lockheed Martin has turned to international partners. At least eight foreign contracts are on the table, but none have a final (coughs) price tag so far. Canada's latest calculations have only proved that the cost will be at least $10 billion higher than expected. Experts suggest F-35s are something of a gamble for everyone involved. There's never been anything anywhere near as expensive, and the entire process is one in which uh, the cost can only go up. Um, uh, the other problem is that the more they spend and the more that the United States uh, and the manufacturer and now a whole bunch of other countries become invested in it, the more they have to go ahead, any of these countries that want to be cutting edge feel that they have no choice. Boosting demand from foreign investors is believed to be essential for the Pentagon and Lockheed Martin. Why? Because the more F-35s are produced, the cheaper each jet is build and maintain. Marina Portnaya, RT. The F-35 has suffered one setback after another. In the most recent case, the entire fleet was grounded and testing suspended after one of the planes suffered an oil leak. 
But the engines are not the only area this aircraft is experiencing problems in. In fact, as you're about to see, the plane has been suffering well-documented cracks from head to tail. The Pentagon even stopped it from flying within 40 kilometers of a thunderstorm out of fears its fuel tank could explode if struck by lightning. We spoke to the man who helped design the iconic F-16 and A-10 aircraft, and he had little good to say about this, the F-35. It's one of the worst airplanes we've ever designed uh, for a lot of reasons, but the most important reason is that it was compromised by having to do three different jobs. You can never make a good airplane if you don't focus on a single job, a single mission. And then they made it even worse by saying that we'd save money by divvying it up among three services. So now you have three missions pulling the airplane in different directions. Now you have three services, three bureaucracies adding their parochial points of view. The airplane is a complete mess. And mind you, this is the most expensive single project that the, that the Defense Department has ever undertaken. It's pretty sad. crazy, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a waste. It's such, there's so much waste, you know? And they keep uh, going with it? Yeah, and it's like, Things are unraveling. 
they will not be able to ignore things for much longer. The point of this presentation today, denial, deception, the last chance for life on Earth, for many that might sound very alarmist and very theatrical. It's not. It's not. If you, we look at hard data right now, it's astounding how quickly things are unfolding and we are not being told. So I'll, I'll elaborate further as we go into the presentation. As we see aircraft like this, normal condensation trails do not immediately emit from the back of an aircraft, and certainly they're not plumes like that. There's a cooling zone between the back of an aircraft and a normal condensation trail, and the high-bypass turbofan jet engine, by design, is not conducive to producing such trails. So again, when we have trails like that, we know that that's not condensation. You can't slice a bit out of the middle of a trail. This film footage here is very compelling. It's from a site called Tanker Enemy in Italy. If you look closely, there are two jets there, not one. They're AWAC tankers. One turns off. Keep watching. It gets more compelling. And this is where the argument ends. People ask, how do you prove this? How can I prove it to someone who doesn't want to listen? We have film footage of them spraying, period. You can see the other aircraft there. See the wing and the plume? Keep watching. This is how we prove it. Because we have film footage of these aircraft spraying at altitude, period. End of the argument. It's over. Now, anybody who says that's a condensation trail is simply in another reality. It's not condensation. We know this, this is happening. It's the biggest elephant in the room right now. It's the biggest untold story on the planet. Words from a dying planet. Is our planet dying? Yes. Our planet's absolutely dying, very rapidly. And there's a great deal of things fueling the fire. I chose this issue because it's simply the largest single assault on all life on Earth, bar none. There's, there's a lot of challenges we face, but climate engineering is quantitatively doing the most damage of all. Earth threatened with sixth mass extinction. We are in the sixth great mass extinction now, today. This is a statistical fact. It's not projection. It's not theory. We're losing some 200 species a day of plant and animal right now. That's 10,000 times background extinction rate. Now, a lot of people in the anti-climate engineering movement want to believe that there's nothing wrong with the planet, there's no warming, it's all a hoax, it's only the spraying. It's simply not true. Too many people want to think dichotomously it's either a this or that equation. That's not reality. There's, there's so many sources of anthropogenic damage to the planet, one could never quantify it. Climate engineering, again, I believe is the largest single cause, but we put almost I believe the latest figure is 100 million tons of CO2 in the atmosphere every single day. And anyone who thinks that's not a problem is not clear about reality. Climate engineering, again, is making a very bad situation exponentially worse, but it is by no means the only thing affecting the climate. That's, that's about, I think we're 30 plus billion tons a year of CO2. Folks, this is quite a long uh, video, audio, audio but I think folks should go to YouTube. And um, geoengineering watch. He's got, he's got quite a few of those. And this is very good. Yeah. It's excellent. But he'll explain more about geoengineering and what it's doing to our planet. It's worth going to that site, um, geowatch.geoengineering. Here's something. Here's something. Noam Chomsky said this, and I, I agree with him. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, we've talked about this on the show before, uh, is a neoliberal assault to maximize profit and domination and deceptive that working people in the world in competition with one another so as to lower wages and increase insecurity. Oh, that's that's exactly oh I agree with that. Yeah. It's a corporate trade deal that places profits over everything and would affect half of humanity. But the mainstream media refuses to cover it at all. That's absolutely true. Well, that's because they're the part of the corporations yeah, 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 that are going to benefit from it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's, that's what it's going to be. Oh. We propose a constitutional amendment 
henceforth barring corporations from participating in the political process. I think that's an excellent that's idea. That's a good idea. Corporations are not people. We should have a 20, a 2090. They shouldn't be allowed to give money. They shouldn't be allowed to. I don't even to know how many amendments we have. No, so they want the 28th Amendment, okay, uh, to get money out of it. Uh, with Harriet. 
said Cardew, it can't be conjugated in Icelandic. And the Guardian notes that Cardew family could be around Harriet's problem by giving her an Icelandic middle name. But it's a bit late for that and way too silly, said Cardew. Are they saying we don't want us here? They don't want us here. Pretty interesting, huh? I can see why they didn't pick an Icelandic name, though. You can't even pronounce them. Oh, my God. What do you want your kids to be named? Uh, well, why didn't they just give give, give her a first name and then a middle name? I don't you know, know, I mean, that's just I, ridiculous. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like Let's get happy. Fifteen minutes. Oh, yeah. accidentally fires AR-15 in family courthouse. Cop. Oh, yeah. It looks look like GOP. It's CO Cop <coughs> accidentally fires AR-15 in a family courthouse. Luckily, no one was hurt. If this was a citizen instead of a cop, he probably would never have made it out of the building alive. So far, no action has been taken against the officer. That's probably true, huh? Uh, I don't know what kind of gun that is, an AR, whatever it is. You assist an evil system most effectively by obeying its orders and decrees. An evil system never deserves such allegiance. Allegiance to it means partaking of the evil. A good person will resist an evil system with his or her whole soul. Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah, I guess he's right on that. I guess we're not good citizens because we, we try to stay out of jail. What do you think? Yeah. I'm trying desperately to stay out of jail. I really am. I can't. You know, my, my, my other issue That's pretty sad. What else you got there? What else you got? Camps of America. That might be interesting. Let's see. The education camps. Let's see what this little audio piece is. This is five minutes. So. Hey everybody, I'm Christopher Green and you're tuning into AMTV Alternative Media Television. So I wanted to weigh in on this crisis that is currently taking place at our borders in Texas and Arizona, this immigration crisis where three quarters of the immigrants, a lot of them children from places like Central America, contiguous states like Honduras, I mean even the vice president's wife of Honduras is going to Texas along with terrorist Nancy Pelosi to check out the humanitarian crisis that makes up this influx of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants on our borders, flowing into the United States, diseased with scabies, being held like animals in cages at our borders. I mean, this is an absolute crisis. This is as bad as it gets. And you know what? It was all planned. It was all intentional. Notice how, and very few people ask these questions, notice how the president was emblazoned in all these scandals, whether or not it was the lots of learners' emails and the fake computer crash, even though we know that images of our emails are mirrored and then stored at the NSA, along with the other intelligence agencies illegally and anti-constitutionally. But notice, all that was going on. Bo Bergdahl, the illegal exchange of him, a known deserter for five Durka Durka Taliban terrorists, and then boom, all of a sudden it's all about immigration. And again, it's all planned. This is a planned destabilization effort of the Obama regime. This has been in the works for years now, and it has unintended consequences. You know, personally, I never really even understood immigration bank. I never really even understood the thought of immigration reform. It seems ridiculous. It is illegal for someone to come and cross our borders and then just declare themselves a citizen. And then for the American people to pay taxes to those people illegally crossing. It threatens our society, it threatens America, and it's why we're having all the problems we are having today. It's why we're in debt. It's why we're saddled with all this controversy. But again, at the upper echelon of the White House, uh, this political sphere, and also big technology companies like Mark Zuckerberg the, of Facebook that are also big government are all pro this. He's established websites like Ford.us that says, 
hey, let's just make illegals legal. Now, if Mark Zuckerberg, you or I, tried to cross the border of Russia or Uruguay, we would be shot at with guns. But not here in America. We open up our borders. Come on in, everybody. Come on to the United States and spread your disease. Now, again, I'm not saying this isn't tragic. I'm not saying that this isn't a humanitarian crisis. My heart goes out to all these people, these children, that are covered up to their knees. Some of the girls reported from mud and dirt from crossing the Rio Grande. I think that this is absolutely a tragedy. But we can't keep them here. We can't just continue to open up our borders. Again, this is a planned stabilization effort by the Obama regime. It's a smoke and mirrors campaign. But the right hand is doing one thing. Make sure you're paying attention to what is happening on the left. And again, this is all about creating political instability. You know, what this really is, in theory, and this has been documented well in history, historically, this is a re-education of America. This is opening up our borders to bring them up a lower rung of our society to create the socialist state that is America today. Again, if you look up the DREAM Act for yourself, if you are to actually serve in the military or get a college degree, be re-educated, what the U.S. government likes to call higher learning, re-education, then all of a sudden you can become a citizen now. They want to create a society, a lower class rock. They want to get rid of the middle class completely, which is what they've been working on over the past couple of years, and re-educate the American society into complacency. So that these people become dreamers, and they become citizens, and then all of a sudden they're voting again and again for people like President Barack Obama, a known fascist, what some people would say socialist, but I would say fascist, in the White House today. Who knows? Maybe he'll run for a third term. Again, all of this is a part of the planned destabilization effort here in America. And again, there are unintended consequences with this, folks. Let me give you a perfect example. Somebody that I'm not going to mention, but a member of my extended family was almost killed by an illegal alien just a couple of weeks ago. He got into a car accident in Huntington Beach. He almost died. This person wasn't illegal. Now, I'm not saying the person did it on purpose, but this member of my extended family almost died. And, of course, the illegal alien didn't have insurance. He couldn't pay for anything. So but the member of my family had to pay for all of his health care, almost died, had to pay for his car, his automobile, etc. Again, just one example of the unintended consequences of these illegal people here crossing our border, threatening us in ways that maybe some of you want to think. Again, a member of my extended family almost died because of it. You know, it's a tragic situation that we would open up our borders. It is tragic to think that our leadership is re-educating our society intentionally. And it's exactly what's happening. Again, this is all in the history books, folks. Whether or not it was the northern Vietnam after we left, re-educating southern Vietnamese military personnel and members of society. Or whether or not this was the Maoist doctrine of re-educating his underclass of people, his underlings. Again, a dictator, you know Mao, killed lots and lots of people. The same thing is happening in the United States of America today. Again, folks, this is a planned invasion. This is a re-education system. These are the re-education camps. And it's all part of the growth destabilization effort that makes up the illegal presidency of Barack Hussein Obama, a person who's been committing executive action and executive order after another against our constitutional principles, failing to notify Congress, and now he's opening up our borders to destabilize the larger America and to quit. Well, I don't know if I agree with what this guy said. Well, I think he's right on many, many issues because, because this, this is a destabilization. This is completely the way it's happening. And uh, why are we allowing this? Why, why are they allowing this? Why? What well, that, that's a good question. And why are they allowing 11 million undocumented people in this country? Well, I think why? It's, I think it's tragic when children are coming across. I mean, well, screw children. I mean, it's all Oh, it's what a terrible thing I mean, to say. No, no, I'm not. I mean, they're just sending them as pawns. You know what I mean? It's terrible. It's pawns in the game. You know, the parents are sending their, their, their littlest kids. So, I mean, the parents must really think a lot about their kids. Oh, yeah. Hey, let's send uh, Julio... Uh, the five-year-old uh, there across the... Who the hell? He's just five years old. It's okay. Screw that guy. We'll send uh, Uncle uh, Jorge with him, all right, who's uh, 12, all right? So it's like, you know, it, it, it's really, really downright, you know, uh, diabolical on the on behalf of the, of the parents of these kids, all right? I mean, really, come on. I mean, why can't they leave with the kids, all right? Yeah. No, no, let's leave the kids. Let's send the kids that way. And why aren't we doing something about the core issue? Where is the core issue, which is that these countries are all scumbags. I mean, they're all a scumbag country. Criminal country. I mean, criminal country. You know, it's ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. My question is, why does Uruguay, 
what is that country all about, and why do they not allow people? Uh, Uruguay, El Salvador, uh, No, 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 I didn't finish. They're all, they're all no, coming. No, no, no. Honduras? No, Leo. You, no, you're not Honduras. listening to what... I'm telling you, no, Honduras I realized that, okay. but this gentleman said, if you were going to cross into Uruguay or Russia, yeah. you would be shot. So Uruguay is trying to keep people out of their country. Yeah, Venezuela is too. Venezuela is trying to keep all these places are trying to keep them out of the country, mm -hmm. right? But not us. We're just taking them in like, hey, Julio, let's come on over, have a good time, you know, and bring your dope, you know what I mean? Bring your kids. Let's have a party out here, you know? It's like, what the hell is going on, you know? All paid for by the by the American taxpayer, you know? It's amazing, huh? Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know, folks. I I just I I just kind of lose it. Sometimes these 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 two tonight shows are a little much to take. The dumbing down of America is the most evident in the slow decay of substantive content in the enormously influential media. The 30-second sound bites now down to 10 seconds or less. Lowest common denominator programming. Credulous. Uh, presentations on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially a kind of celebration of ignorance. And uh, Carl Sagan, and he wrote this about uh, the uh, about the media. Okay, the media is is about, down the whole country. How about this? McDonald's goes broke in Bolivia due to boycott. Well, they're a lot smarter than we are. They sure are. McDonald's sending all their kids up here. McDonald's happy image and its golden arches aren't the gateway to bliss in Bolivia. This South American country is in falling for the barrage of advertising and fast food cooking methods that so evil easily engulf countries like the United States. Bolivians simply don't trust food prepared in such little time. The quick and easy mass production method of fast foods actually turns Bolivians off altogether. 60% of the Bolivians are indigenous population who generally don't find it worth their health money to step foot in a McDonald's. Despite its economically friendly fast food prices, McDonald's couldn't coax enough of the indigenous population of Bolivia to eat their Big Macs, McNuggets, or McRibs. Good for them. Well, so much for that. I think that's awesome. Maybe they feel like I do. I can't stand the smell of those places. Yeah, you know, a friend, uh, Isaac, uh, the Israel, Isaac, you know, Shaw. Oh, Shaw. Shaw sent, Shaw sent uh, this over. It was funny. It says, thanks to NARL, Poor Choice America, for the reminder. It turns out that birth control is no longer covered under insurance. However, Viagra is. <laughs> now, isn't that ridiculous or no? But it's true. Very true. And Eugene, Oregon, just announced the 4th of July weekend, the state police plan, uh, plan upsetting, uh, plan upsetting up. What? Okay, I read that again. July weekend, the state police plan to set up uh, no refusal blood checkpoints throughout the city. Imagine that. The 2005, the Supreme Court ruled that it is not unconstitutional to hold down Americans and forcibly withdraw blood. Seriously? Can you imagine yeah. that? We got no, I mean, this, this Supreme Court is out of its freaking mind. I think, they got it, they got it. I mean, if you, I'll tell you what, folks. Put me in charge of a revolution and the first place I'd hit is the Supreme Court. The second place I'd hit is uh, is the media, right? I'd knock down every media tower in the country, all right? Or take over every media outlet in the country, all right? And, uh, yeah, that, that would be the second, all right? As far as the government, screw them. All right. Well, they're more interested in making money than anything else, personal money. So they the don't really... All you got to do is take it over and pay them off and then get them out of the... And they're yours. They're yours. Yeah, sad. That's all you got to do. And then we have the revolution. We could even pay them to kill themselves if they did do it. No. Well, they seem, they seem to be that greedy. Oh, yeah, they are. It's, it's totally unbelievable. Huh? Completely, utterly unbelievable. But they are. You know, yeah. I, it just killed me when they, I thought we were on the road to something when they uh, 
decided that it wouldn't be, a, you know, wasn't ethical to do insider trading. Well, that was good for about six months, and then they decided to quietly get well, that. They changed that. They repealed that law. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Well, we're right to nine o'clock. The hypocrisy of this operation. Amazing. It's no longer have a mask. Well, we're right to 9 o'clock, so we've come to the end of our show. And I hope you have a good night, folks. Yeah. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Hang on a second. Hang on. I can't turn you off immediately. Uh, hold on one second, folks. I've been hacked three times tonight. And our systems are so slow, I can't even turn this off. So hang on one second here. There we go. There we go. All right. So good night, everybody. Tune us in tomorrow when we have, I think we'll have Larry Dorman, uh, spokesman for Aspen Union, and uh, Great Union Show tomorrow night. So uh, join us right then there. Good night, everybody.